How y'all doing tonight? It's good. So, as you all know, Mom and Dad are up in up in Branson for this week for uh, for the Randy services. Um, I think they're having a pretty good time out there. I've been helping Dad with his books from here. He got another uh, almost 55 books since they've left. There is one order for uh, 48 books. Um, it was, it was over in California as well, so uh, I I don't think we have uh, much more than a hundred left out of the five hundred that we started with. So uh, I think they've already got in an order for however many more books, probably another five hundred or more. Um, but that's all going pretty well. But uh, if you're all okay with it, we can go into prayer and start the service. So, Father, I thank you for uh, this evening tonight. I thank you for uh, this chance to look into your Word be able to know you more and to learn more about you. And I thank you that we can all gather here and do that uh, openly and for you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you all want to go ahead and open up to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Turn off the slides. So, uh, trying to figure out what to uh, teach about this evening, I uh, ended up coming to the conclusion of just a bit of a progression, starting with uh, what, what's something that we need to do, what is the basis for that, and then putting those together, what does that conclude with? So, what's something that we need to do, what we need to do is be able to, to trust people and to trust one another. So. In Matthew 16, uh, <clears throat> verse 21, uh, it reads there, From that time forth began Jesus to shew unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So Peter here, you know, in spite of being a disciple of Jesus himself, is saying, Hey, I don't, I, I don't trust this plan that, that you have laid out for us. I don't, I don't trust that like, this is the right way to go about things, that you go to Jerusalem where people are threatening you continually. Like we receive threats from there constantly, and any time we get anywhere near, we're always... Uh, just yeah, you know, they always get far too many threats going anywhere near there. But Jesus is saying, no, this this is the plan that God has laid out for us. This is how we need to go about things. This is the way to do something. But uh, even though, uh, yeah, yeah, here in Matthew, uh, just a few verses before, Jesus said to him, Peter, I will start my church with you. You you will be the rock for my church. But then just a few verses after, he's turning to Jesus and saying, no, this is not what you should do. As uh, no, like, like we do have a say in sometimes being like, hey, is, the, is there potentially a better way to go about things? I mean, Moses uh, spoke back to the Lord uh, uh, in the wilderness when dealing with the Israelites. God was saying to Moses, I will wipe them all out and restart with you. And Moses said, not so, Lord, uh, for, for everyone else will think that you brought them out here to kill them. And, and, and he, um, 
I don't know about necessarily changed God's mind, but he at least changed what he was going to do. And, and it was for the better. But here Peter's saying that, like, no, even though this is, uh, uh, if, if he knew his stuff, and I'm sure Peter did, especially by this point, they're like, no, even, even though this is what the prophets in the Old Testament have spoken of, even, even though this is not the first time he mentioned this, uh, uh, this is at least the second or third time Jesus had mentioned going to Jerusalem for the purpose of uh, being sacrificed on the cross. Uh, even though all that, like, all this has led up to this, uh, no, I still don't think that's a good idea, and he's rebuked here very strongly for it. Um, uh, another example of being a bit questionable about trust uh, is the story of Gideon uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, initially, I mean, he had a uh, had an angel come down come down to him, telling him, "Gideon, uh, the Lord needs you to lead an army." Uh, against the Midianites to rid them of this land. And Gideon says, I don't think you have the right guy. And so he's uh, testing this uh, holy angel and saying, hey, I'm going to put this fleece out overnight. And, um, and I believe the first night, if, it's, if the fleece is wet and the ground is dry, um, then I will believe you. That happens, and he says, okay, another test. The other way, ground is wet, fleece is dry. And then that happens again, and Gideon says, okay, fine, I believe you, I trust you, um, what, what has to be done? And, he, and from that point, he, he does trust it, but it's, uh, it, it's funny to see how he, he, he believes it's an angel, he understands it's an angel, but he still doesn't trust in, maybe not necessarily the angel, but in himself that, yeah, I'm, I'm the one that God is looking for for this situation. But by the end of the whole process, Gideon is able to believe in the Lord, saying, Okay, I can fight this strongest army that has been uh, punishing us and uh, being tyrannical over us Israelites for the past, uh, I believe it said seven years, with merely 300 men that, well, they're not trained. They just asked for volunteers saying, hey, come out here. And they got, and they whittled it down to 300 men. They didn't go through any combat training or, like, proper army conditions or anything. They were just saying, like, Okay, we have 300 men. That's what God says we need, so we're going to trust him in that. And, and, he di- and he did get there, which is good for him. But initially he was you know, delaying the process. They could have had two days more. Now that still it was enough time because they didn't need all that much time to do what they needed to do. But it, it, it still was time lost that, that, that could have that been spent um, in encouraging them in a bit more. Um, another passage in the Old Testament that, that deals greatly, greatly with trust is uh, Abraham and Sarah. Uh, so if you will, turn to Genesis 16. So uh, at this point in Genesis 16, uh, Abraham, called Abram, has yet to have had uh, Isaac. So, uh, st- starting in verse 1 there, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. Which, um, what, what's weird about that is that um, we, we, we don't have a good reference of time in between chapters, but just 
at, at the end of chapter 15, um, the Lord is speaking to them. He doesn't directly speak about the promise that, that he has for them, that, that you know, that, that their children will uh, out, outnumber the stars above them, but he does still speak to them. He is still there with them. So it's inter- interesting to see how, however much time had passed between then and here in chapter 6 is, was enough for Sarah to conclude, yeah, um, God, God was wrong about me bearing, bearing a child. But uh, continuing, it says, I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, My my wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth, as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hard, hardly with her, she fled from her face. So here they're they're both just acting a little bit like Adam and Eve, saying like like oh oh you did this thing how it was wrong with you. And Abram's like it's not my problem, it's your problem. She's your maid. So it's it again bl- blame shifting very rarely works in the Bible, um, or especially even today's day, not just the Bible. But and the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness by the fountain in the, in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's, Sarai's maid, whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for, for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. She called the name of the Lord that spake unto her. Thou God seest me, for she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called uh, Birla Aroy. Go with that. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Barad. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old, for eighty-six, when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. So, um, uh, there, there's, a, there's a lot of interesting things with that. Uh, what, what, what it says there, well, yeah, so, uh, what, what, what's interesting with that is that, that there was a very... Uh, direct punishment for uh, Hagar conceiving uh, a son with Abram is that that her son would not only be you know against every man and every man against him but that he'll be uh, innumerable like uh, Abram and uh, Abraham and Sarah's son later on Isaac uh, so it uh, it's interesting to see how like that that blessing of sorts for Isaac is is almost still a punishment here for Ishmael because, well, having an innumerable amount of people that are against every man and every man against him is not exactly a blessing. And then, like, another thing that came a consequence of this was 
well, like, again, we don't know how long time passes beforehand between, like, God speaking to them before they had Ishmael, but afterwards it very clearly shows Abraham was 86 when Hagar bore Ishmael, and then the very next verse, Abraham was uh, 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to him. So it had been 13 years of, as as far as we're aware, of there being no communication between uh, Abraham, Sarah, and, and the Lord. And presumably because of Ishmael and the trouble that all that had caused. And that had only started just because Abraham and Sarah was, they were in doubt of God's promise. They were saying, are, are we really sure about this? Are we really sure that God had told us that I'm going to have the son? Maybe it was just going to be your son with whomever may be nearby, which at the time was uh, Sarah's handmaid. So uh, I forget where it falls in the, uh, if it comes before or after, but the story of Abraham, Sarah, and the king, where Abraham told the king, hey, uh, Sarah's my sister, and the king took Sarah. And before uh, he had gone into her, uh, the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, and said, no, you will not. If you do, everyone, uh, uh, you and everyone in your household will be cursed with a curse. So I forget where that falls before or after, but it's interesting to see that, that they make a very similar mistake in that um, they're distrusting of the Lord to do as he said, which would be protect, to protect them and to bless them. And in doing so, they, they wind up uh, you know, on the wrong side of the bed, per, per se. But on that note of trust, um, uh, in the Gospels we come to find... Uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying to the Lord, saying, hey, I don't really want to go to hell. Like, uh, I understand this needs to be, that this needs to take place, but is there another way to go about this? And instead of doing what Gideon initially did, and Abraham and Sarah did in that moment, and what Peter did in that part of Matthew 16, where he said, uh, like, instead of going to go to the Lord saying, hey, I don't know about this idea. I'm going to do something different. Instead, Jesus said, I don't know about this idea, but because I trust you and because I know you love me and you know that this is the right thing to do for those around me, I'm going to go through it anyway. And he has, you know, like, like he, he, he is God. He is the Son of God, so that he, he does have that going for him. But still, in, in that moment, he is still, he is still man in flesh. He, he is still have, like, uh, in, in that moment, he is still, there is still human in him. So to be able to be like, yes, I understand that going to the cross would mean going to the, would mean going to hell for three days and three nights and not being able to be with the Lord. Because that, that was the real issue. I mean, he bore, Jesus bore terrible, terrible things leading up to the cross. Like he, um, let alone just the cross, he bore lashes where he was not recognizable as a man. He bore a crown of thorns and was slapped and spit upon by countless people and had a carry the cross for, I mean, it was probably a good half a mile to a mile. And I mean, the cross was solid wood and was tall enough to hold a full-grown man suspended into the air, so it, definitely not a light thing. Um, now, for, for his sake, he did have help from a man called Simon, but that was only because he had been beat so hard that he couldn't carry it himself. So it, it, it wasn't the pain and the, and the jesting of the cross that, that scared him. 
his, uh, he hadn't dealt with pain, but he hadn't dealt with jesting throughout uh, all of his ministry. Um, it was the separation that, that he was concerned with, and that's what he went to God with that concern. He said, uh, he, he, he said I, I, I don't know about this. Is there any other way? And when the Lord uh, had said, no, this, like, this, this, this is the way this has to be done, he said, okay, I, I believe you and I trust you in this, and I'm going to go through with it. Um, so like, like, so with that being like trust, like, like this is what we need to do. Well, where is that? Like, how do we build up to that? And how we build up to that is with uh, love. So if you'll turn over to Matthew 22, we'll look at uh, a few passages about love. Uh, Matthew 22, verses uh, 34. Uh, says, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Uh, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So here we see what the greatest commandment is, that, that being to love God and to love thy neighbor. Um, in, in that order specifically. Uh, so, so with that, like in order to be able to trust someone, you have to be able to love them from some standpoint. They don't have to do anything um, to, to deserve your love. We'll, we'll look at that here in a minute here in a minute, but they just have, you just have to love them in order to trust them. Uh, like, uh, like with, with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, uh, he loved God and God loved him, so he was able to be, yes, um, be, because of your love of me as, as your son and you, and you as my father, and because of my love of you, then, then, then I can trust you in this, and I am going to trust you in this. Because without that love, it would be very, very difficult to be able to look at someone and be like, I don't, like, um, it's a bit hard to say, but like, I, 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 don't, I don't love you. And even though I don't love you, I'm still going to trust you. That's generally not going to work out. I mean, most people in the world, uh, it would be hard-pressed to find someone that, uh, that they trust, but that they also don't love. It would be very difficult to find that, even in the world. And hopefully not in the church. Uh, we should all loving each other here in the church especially uh, but over in John we can uh, look a little bit more at love John chapter 15 uh, it starts there in verse 9 where it says as the father hath loved me so have I loved you continue ye in my love if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So, before we looked at what the greatest commandment, commandment was, which is love, and this is what the greatest love is, which is to lay down your life. And again, uh, we've talked about it plenty here where laying down your life isn't um, 
I shouldn't say just because it is a very good thing, but uh, to specifically uh, give up your life, like your mortal life, for the sake of your friends and for those around you. It's not, it's not specifically uh, or solely that, I should say. It's not solely just that you lay down your life, your physical, mortal, and temporary life on this earth for the sake of your friends. That's not just what this is talking about, because you can only do that once. Um, well, more 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 than likely, uh, but well, what what this does appear to be talking about it's talking about laying down what you want to do, what, what your soul for the sake sake of those around you, for your neighbors and for your friends, and for the, and for well those that you love, because this is saying like this is this is the greatest way that that you can love anyone around you that you give up what you do um, for them, and a couple of things with that it it has. It has no qualifications for the other person. It has no requirements for the other person. It just says, it just says, hey, there, there's this person. The, the greatest thing that you can do to them is love them, and the greatest love that you can give to them is that you give up what you want to do for their sake. It has no requirements on their part, um, just merely that, 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 that really, that just they're human. That, that, that's really all about it. It just says like, any person doesn't matter where they come from, uh, socially, economically, or uh, uh, their their nation, uh, nationally, all that matters is that 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 just they're human, and that you know them, because you can't can't love someone if you never met them, but you you can love them as soon as you see them. Um, and with that, like Jesus loved, uh, like going back to Jesus and the cross, he loved us all enough to be able to go onto the cross himself, because. He wasn't doing it just for himself, because that, that that that's not uh, that that that's not strong enough of a goal and desire to go up on the cross to be separated for God, just for His own sake, J- just for the sake of heaven. Uh, he did it for the sake of everyone in heaven, everyone on the earth, and everyone to later come onto the earth. Um, all all the future generations that Jesus was able to help uh, and to provide for by going by going to the cross and going to hell for three days and three nights. Um, and then, uh, so, so like, like with him on that cross, he was able to give up his life um, for, for the sake of his friends and his neighbors. And, and I've talked about it before, but uh, going to the cross, uh, Jesus, that was, that was, uh, Jesus going to the cross, that was the greatest act of love ever because he gave up every aspect of his life for those around him. He gave up his physical and mortal life uh, by dying on the cross. He gave up his soul by giving up what he wanted to do uh, for God's plan, and he gave up his spiritual life by uh, going to hell. Because uh, he, he had done no wrong, clearly. Uh, he just merely looked like sin just for the sake of going to hell. And you, you wouldn't be able to do that if you, ha- if you didn't have the capacity to love. Uh, if you didn't have the capacity to love, you wouldn't be able to give up yourself in every, in every manner of the word to, as far as Jesus was concerned, complete strangers. I mean, he didn't, uh, while on this earth, uh, he didn't have full knowledge of everything. He only had the knowledge of what the Holy Ghost would give him. And so he didn't know every single person that, that covered uh, every corner of the earth. He only knew those he met uh, and saw him passing by. And despite that, he was able to give up himself in its entirety to to everyone on the earth and then with that with 
trust and with love, uh, one thing that you can do with both of those is, uh, is well, judging and really the lack thereof, the concept of innocent before, uh, before proven guilty, which I, I, I was surprised to see that wasn't a direct thing from the Bible, uh, seeing how biblically it does seem uh, because there are plenty of accounts in the Bible saying uh, two or three witnesses uh, that, that you need before uh, you, you, you can bring guilt upon someone. But it's not exactly directly said. But uh, one passage we can go look at is in Luke chapter 6. If you turn there. says uh, in verse 27, it reads, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. I mean, that, that, that alone we can talk about, we can talk about for, until Jesus comes back. I mean, to be able to, to look at someone uh, who considers, I mean, uh, in this context, you consider them your enemy, and be able to look at them and say, no, despite you being my enemy, despite you being against everything I hold dear. I'm going to love you anyways. And despite you cursing me in however you do, uh, I'm going to pray that, well, that that, that, that doesn't come back to, uh, not, not to say to haunt you, but like well, law of sowing and reaping, like curse someone. That, that's not going to do you a whole lot of good, especially if you curse an innocent. I mean, see how well that worked for all the uh, Israelites that, that mumbled and grumbled against Moses in the wilderness. And uh, continuing verse 29, it says, And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. And give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Uh, so, uh, this is part of the point I wanted to get to is uh, the, the golden rule, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It, it, it'd, be, it'd be really easy to go to someone who, you know, looks sketchy, looks like they committed the crime, and be like, yep, you're guilty. I don't, I don't have to know anything. You, you, you look like, like you did something wrong. And, well, that, that, that's not fair to them, and that wouldn't be fair to you if they did that to you either. Uh, there's been plenty of times where been or I've been wrongly accused. Uh, uh, my dad has countless stories of being wrongly accused, and especially in the Gospels where the, the Pharisees and all would go to Jesus saying uh, he's casting out devils by the prince of, by the prince of the devils. And like, they're, they're, they're looking at an innocent man who has done nothing but help people and pointing at him, yes, he's guilty of being a Satan worshiper. It's like they, 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 have, they, have, they, have, they have no they have no evidence of anything whatsoever, just that, just that they, they don't like how he looks and that they don't like that well, that they're threatening their authority. Um, continuing there, it says, For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And, he, and if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be children of the highest. 
for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. So uh, just a quick note there is saying like, um, saying, uh, love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing, uh, nothing again. That the way that doesn't contradict what immediately follows, because what immediately says is that your reward shall be great. It's like, so should I, uh, if, if I take it literally and legally, then it's like, okay, I expect nothing at all, ever, from it, like from anything or anyone because of what I've done. That, 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 that's not entirely right. You may get nothing in, in this life specifically for doing good deeds, but we will get, you know, we, we have rewards laid out before us in heaven, and we can, and we can rightfully expect that because it's what, it's what's listed here. It's saying, hey, you do this thing, uh, you love your enemies, you do good and lend to those that have wronged you and spitefully used you, and, and do so in the account of, like, not expecting anything from them. You can expect something from God because uh, he, he, he paid back the debt uh, that they had to you for their sake. Uh, like continuing there, it says, Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Um, so that, uh, so, so right there, that, that's what this point I'm trying to get to is like saying like, before you can judge not and condemn not, you need to be able to, maybe not necessarily. Uh, overall trust them, but at least trust the, the system by which they're being judged, be it God or be it uh, man's laws. And then you can love them enough to be in like, okay, despite how things may look, I'm still going to say that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to condemn, condemn you on this. I'm not going to judge you on this. Um, the, 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 this is largely talking about uh, uh, if you're saved or not, like it, whether or not you're going to heaven, but this can also be taken in a lighter sense. Again, not legal, uh, uh, legalistically, because there are plenty of times where uh, Jesus uh, maybe not uh, judges them, but I mean, he says the Pharisees are, uh, well, white, whitewashed sepulchres full of dead men's bones, that they're good looking on the outside, but hollow and dead on the inside. And I mean, to some extent, that could be very well taken as a judgment of them on their part. Uh, so this doesn't necessarily need to be taken legalistically because that's not how this was intended. Just as a matter of like, you don't need to be going around looking at someone being saying like, you're living your, you're living your life wrong because that's, that, 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 that's not what we're here to do. We're here to stand here with open arms saying whether or not you're living your life wrong, you can still come here and live a better life no matter how you're living now. Because e even the, the richest man, uh, uh, the richest man on earth, uh, he he would have he would have nothing if he didn't if he didn't have God. I don't know whether Bill Gates is uh, saved or not. Um, do, do you know? Is he not? He's not. Okay. Well, he is nothing then. <laughs> um, uh, without God, I'm, I mean, the the poorest man that's saved has a lot more going for him than than the richest man that isn't. Um, and one point on that on judging not not being judged, uh, if you'll turn over to Matthew 18. Uh, there's a parable there you can look at. He's not a Christian, really? <laughs> he, is he? 
he must just be like, like a humanitarian because he does a lot of like a, like a humanist, whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Matthew 18, verse 21, it reads, Then came Peter to him and said, uh, so, Yeah. Uh, and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. Before as much as he had not to pay, his lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Uh, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. So imagine how uh, rich this king must be in order to be able to redeem a debt that, that great uh, ju just out of simply compassion. Uh, and while, like, and, and like, wh wh whether or not he needs the money, it, like, um, like, a, a billionaire uh, still cares about you know a thousand dollars going down the drain. It, it, uh, you know they'd rather it not happen. So how, however rich this king is or not, that money is still relevant to him. But it's not more relevant than having a chance to give compassion to this man. Uh, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, "Pay me that thou owest." And his fellow servant fell down at his feet, the same thing the first servant did. And besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison, till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their lord all that was done. So uh, here we see this servant didn't uh, didn't understand how, how great of uh, how great he had been forgiven, and how much of a second chance he was having. Instead of being like, Oh, uh, I've been forgiven of this fantastic and uh, terrible debt that I had no chance of paying for a thousand lifetimes. I had been forgiven of it just like that. He, he goes to a servant, which, um, I mean, uh, it's a bit more than pocket change than what the servant owed him, but, you know, could have paid it back to him within a week, probably. Um, uh, he, he looked at him and said, no, my money uh, uh, is, is, is worth more. Uh, my, my debt and my money is worth more than uh, what I owe to others. Uh, that 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 was just merely a, just 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 merely a sidetrack. It, it's not relevant how much I owed to the king. It's just relevant how much you owed to me and, and how well how you've wronged me and not paying me back for it. Uh, then his lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Um, so I, I, again, this is going off a matter of like, it 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 doesn't do us a whole lot of good to uh, con condemn every uh, with every chance that we get. Uh, Sometimes judgment does does need to pass. Sometimes the 
the, the person doesn't want to forgive. They, they, they don't want to right their wrongs. Even then, mer- mercy, mercy still could help them. But, but other times, judgment does have to pass, and it, and it, and it, does, it does have to uh, c- uh, come to whatever conclusion that judgment has for them. But it doesn't, that, 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 that shouldn't be the first place that we go to. We shouldn't go to first being like, I'm going to judge you, I'm going to condemn you because of how you have wronged me. Uh, the first place we should go to is what the king did, and be like, oh, be, because you like, because you asked, um, and the man, the man didn't even ask that his debt be forgiven. He just said, "Give me time," which he never would have had enough time anyway. But he he didn't ask to be forgiven. But but the king gave him uh, e- even more than what he asked. He said, the king looked down and said, "I I, I know what you're asking of me. You're asking me uh, for time to pay me back." But because I have compassion on you, I'm going to say, I'm going to ignore what you asked and give you something greater. I'm going to render you uh, free of your debt to me. And, um, yeah, I was checking. Uh, one thing that, uh, that the servant didn't do, which he probably should have done, he should have celebrated in this. He should have been um, praising, the, uh, praising the Lord, saying, hey, thank you for forgiving me of this great debt I could have never have possibly paid for you uh, uh, e- even with selling me and my wife and my children and all that we have and all that we will ever have that, that wouldn't be ever enough to pay, pay you back he should have been celebrating me in that but instead he went off and being like oh now, now that I have you know, th- uh, this debt uh, th- this debt free of me I'm going to go cash in a little bit of debt others owe to me because now I don't have to give it to the king I can do, do as I please with it it's uh, just interesting to see where people's uh, greed will take them. Uh, another parable I want to look at is over in Luke chapter 10. Turn there. Did, did you uh, find it? Well, well, was he a Christian or not? I, I didn't know if he was a Christian. I, I didn't think so. Mm. <laughs> ah. Um. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 25. So we'll start there. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, uh, Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence 
and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed him mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. So I'm sure when that man asked uh, Jesus, saying, Hey, uh, who, who is my neighbor? Is it uh, the people within half mile of me? So if they're half mile in one step, they're, they're not my neighbor. I, I, don't, have to, I don't have to love them uh, uh, as myself, and, and Jesus said, no, it, 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 uh, that, that's not what matters here. Um, uh, so J- Jesus gave him and all those around him a parable saying, this is what it means to be a neighbor. Uh, uh, and one thing I wanted to point out there is that the, that the Samaritan, uh, he didn't know why this man was beat. Uh, he didn't know if he was beat because, oh, he got caught up in a, like, like, like he was in a gang and there was a gang fight and he was left behind, or if uh, as in this passage, he was beat up by just some ruffians. Uh, the, the Samaritan didn't know that, but it, it, didn't, it didn't matter to him. It didn't matter how this man was injured and left for dead. Uh, it, it, it didn't matter to him how, how that had come to pass. What only mattered to the Samaritan was, this man needs my help, and I am here and able to help him. And so he, he, t- he took his time and his money uh, away from himself for the sake of this, this guy. Uh, it doesn't say... Um, it doesn't say like whether the guys a Jew or Pharisee or anything. It just says he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. But uh, none of that mattered to the Samaritan. All that mattered was that it was someone that he was able to help in that moment, and that well, other people had neglected. Um, and uh, what's interesting with that is that uh, afterwards, whenever Jesus asked him who was the one that was his neighbor, instead of uh, the man saying, oh, it was the Samaritan, because the Samaritan looked down upon. He said, it's the third guy who I don't want to admit who he was, because I'm not doing that myself. Uh, it, it'd, be, it'd be very easy to just, um, well, hopefully not very easy, but it, it'd be uh, easy enough to be like, oh, that, that person needs a lot more help than I am ready uh, to provide right now. I'm just going to pass along the other side and hope and Maybe not even hope someone else takes care of them. Because that, that, because, uh, it, it never gave the intention of the priest or the Levite, but I mean, what, uh, they, they clearly didn't care enough about the man to actually go help them themselves. They only cared, uh, they cared more so about their time and their money that they would, um, in their eyes, waste on you know, a half-dead man that was left on the side of the road for who knows why. But the Samaritan, uh, the Samaritan, uh, loved this stranger enough to be able to look at him and not judge him for how he was left like this. Um, There's a countless number of ways that, you know, someone looks beat up on the side of the road. And just one of those ways that he's an innocent man. Um, It'd be be a lot more questionable to be like, oh yeah, there's someone who's, you know, asking for help on the side of the road. They they could be needing a lift or they could be trying to steal my car. Like, I don't know... uh, who who's to say? But but the Samaritan said it 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 it, it is not a it is not of me to ask who this man is or why he's left here. It's just of me to help him uh, any way I can. And uh, and what's interesting to see is that he trusts the uh, the uh, in enough to be like, hey, uh, here's hopefully more money than you'll need to take care of this man. And if not, then I'll pay, then I'll pay you back when I come back. Uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't come back to see like how much he actually owed the inn. 
Um, but it would be it's interesting to see, like, yeah, it didn't matter to him what the cost was of taking care of this man or, like, whether the end was going to be, you know, honest or not. They could have been, like, oh, yeah, we'll take care of him. We promise as they put the two pence in their back pocket and just leave the man upstairs to, you know, uh, to, to his own demise. Uh, he, he trusted that end enough to be saying, hey, here's a man, here's some money. Please, please take care of him until I come back. I, I like, apparently he has someone somewhere so greatly to be that he does have to go um, in spite of taking care of this man. But he, but as far as he's concerned, he, he leaves him in good enough hands for the time being where he can come back and check on him later and pay the debts that was owed. And uh, so like, like with that topic of uh, the, the king forgiving the servant's debt and the Samaritan looking upon this uh, man on the side of the road and uh, ignoring what his past was, Thanks to Jesus, uh, God is able to do that with us because we're washed, we were washed clean in His blood, and we're uh, blameless in the eyes of God. Uh, it doesn't matter to God uh, what what our what our pasts are and what is, and what has gotten us to the point that we are, however broken we are. It only matters to Him that hey, we are broken and we're needing of help, and He's going to put all of His time and all of His love into all of us to help get us back back on our feet, so we can do the same for others. And that's um, I've, I've talked about it plenty before about uh, like like, uh, like I went through love a while ago saying uh, thing uh, in First Corinthians where it very uh, distinctly lays out this is what love is and I went through all of that and said yeah ev- every single aspect of what love is God or Jesus um, has very distinctly showed uh, that aspect of love be it in the Gospels or just somewhere else in the New Te- in the Bible. And so, uh, for that point, just saying, like, God isn't asking us to do anything more than what he's willing to do himself. And he's very willing, uh, uh, willing and well able to take care of us and to, uh, and to search us out and to be able to provide for us as we need until we can do that uh, same thing for others. Um, but I, I think that's all I have here, so it's all right with you. I'm going to pray and conclude the service. Um, Father, I thank you for uh, uh, these words tonight and these this Bible here in front of us, Father, that we were able to look into it and be able to know more about you and know more about how we can love our neighbors and care for those around us. And I thank you, Father, that you're going to help us in all that we do and provide for us uh, in any way we any way you can so that we can go out and do the same for those around us. And in Jesus' name, uh, I pray tonight. Amen. Um, so, uh, do you all have anything to ask about that? or? Um, uh, if you all want to get your uh, offering ready, I'll receive it up here in a minute. Um, I think mom and dad are coming back Friday. I think that's when they're getting back. So uh, they, they've been having a good time up there as far as I know. I don't think I have another book order pending uh, within the last hour or so, but uh, who knows? There could be another 200 books I have to ship by the time I get home. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, be okay with it, but I don't know if we have enough books. Uh, <laughs> the only issue. Um, uh, you're all okay? I'll go ahead and call this offering blessed and receive it real quick.
you, you all can be dismissed. Uh, have a good night.